If the president were to walk in, everybody would stand up. Even if you didn't like him, you'd stand up just because you would respect the office and because you'd be scared of those guys with the things in their ears, you know. <laughs> well, how many know there's a greater one than the president here this morning? There's a greater one than, uh, than anyone we can think of. What's the old song? Higher than the highest, greater than the greatest. Remember that old song? And uh, so we want to honor the word this morning and give the word rightful place. If 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11, I'm going to read. I struggled with what to preach this morning, Pastor, because I thought, well, everybody will be full of turkey. And, you know, do I want to preach on turkey or how many uh, do I want to preach on all the different recipes there are for for turkey? Amen. How many got had turkey soup or turkey sandwiches so far? And <laughs> amen. So, uh, but let's, let's read. I want to I preach on praise. Pastor Hank in his message last Sunday kind of threw a little thing out there and I caught it because he, he pretty much told me what I was preaching on this Sunday. How many caught that? How many? Uh, verse 11, I want to read uh, just a few scriptures here. But Jehoshaphat, let's just all have a praise service right now that your mama didn't name you Jehoshaphat. Amen. <laughs> I had a, uh, uh, with our third son, Josiah, was prophesied over him that he was going to be a Jedediah. That's what an old, uh, a lady said. And I said, well, I'll take that as the spirit of Jedediah, but I'm not naming him Jedediah. So we named him Josiah. We got as close as we could. Uh, but Jehoshaphat said, is there not a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king and one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. We all want a great reputation. I'd just be glad to be known as somebody who poured water on the hands of a great man of God. If anybody wants a blessing, next Sunday, run up here and give Pastor Billy Burke a bottle of water. And you'll get the, amen, amen or some type of a gift, uh, <clears throat> which he poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, now look at this. How many believe those Old Testament prophets, and especially Elijah and Elisha, had an attitude? Amen? They had a little bit of an attitude. So look what Elisha said to this king. What do I have to do with thee? In other words, he said, hey, what are you bothering me for? What are you hanging out with me for? You never, you never want to hear the word that I've got to say. You never know, want to know what's going on from the Lord. What are you coming around now for? What do I have to do with you? Why don't you go to your own prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother? And the king of Israel said unto him, no, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, now look at this real close, and Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward you nor even see you. Now look what he says right there. Elisha said this, if it wasn't for the king of Judah, in this place and in this room, I wouldn't even hear what you had to say. 
Look at verse 15. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played and the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For, for thus saith the Lord, You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water, that you may drink both you and your cattle and your beast. Verse 18 says, And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites into your hand. How many believe that's a good word? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that your word is a light to our path, a lamp unto our feet. We thank you that it brings illumination and it brings light. We thank you for your word to us today. Lord, take it and make it live this morning. Let it not be a logos, but let it be a rhema that leaps off the pages into people's hearts. And we thank you for it. Lord, we know there's hurting lives. We know there's confusion in minds. And we know the word of law, the word of the Lord brings that right word at the right time to set things straight in people's lives. And we thank you for the entrance of your word today. We thank you, Lord, that we, we all have access to Judah this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Now look at the person next to you and just ask them, are you connected? Come on, look at the person on the other side and say, are you connected? Give them a high five. All right, ask them, say, are you connected to the right people this morning? Hallelujah. You can be seated. Just give the Lord a praise offering this morning. I, uh, I wanted to preach. You know, you've got, you've got some of those hot ones. I wanted to preach something that I, that's fun, you know, and I, there's a lot of encouraging words. But I wanted to, the Lord laid this on my heart this morning. And you're right, we got up at 5, which is very hard for us to do around our household. And uh, we, were, we were raised in the evangelistic field, and I believe nobody should get up, you know, that early in the morning because you're, you're interfering on the Chinese people's time with God. That's why, that's why I don't get up and pray at 5 o'clock in the morning because all the Chinese people over there have God's attention. Somebody say amen. You know what I'm saying? I got to wait my turn. Can somebody say amen? Uh, but we did, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to bring this, this to you this morning. And if nothing else, as a reminder, I've heard this message preached all my life. I've heard so many different messages out of this, this, this uh, passage of Scripture. How many know that the Word of the Lord is so uh, multifaceted, you can read the same story a hundred times, and the Holy Spirit can give you a thousand different words out of it? Amen? And, and Judah, of course, we know that Judah means praise. Amen? Let's go ahead and establish that right now. If you look up the word Judah, it's going to say praise is what it means. So in, a, in essentially what Elisha is saying here is if it were not for the king of praise or if it were not for praise that's in this room, I wouldn't hear what you have to say. Let me say it again. What Elisha was saying is I'm really not, I, I really should ignore you. Because you're, you're really not worthy of me giving you a word. That's what Elisha was saying to the king of Israel. But he said, because of the presence of praise in the room, I'm going to give you a word from the Lord. How many believe praise is important? 
How many believe the Bible says praise is comely? I want you to just go with me for a moment. And you don't have to read it, but if you go back and you can read it sometime, how many know the Bible is probably the best reality show that you can get a hold of? Amen? I mean, if you want reality, read the Bible. If you, want, if you want drama, I tell my kids all the time, man, if you want some good drama, you want some good love stories, you want some he said, she said, you want some good murder mysteries, read the Bible. It's all in there, amen? I mean, really, you don't even have to watch Hollywood. If they would just, you know, really, if you go back to when movies first started being made, Cecil B. DeMille and all that, what did he do? He just made things out of the Bible. That was the most exciting thing they could think of. I mean, you can't even imagine the, 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 the crazy stuff going on in the Old Testament. Amen? Thank God it's the Old Testament. Some people still living in the Old Testament. You know what I'm saying? So if you want drama, go back and you can read all of the different uh, espionage and all the spies and all the different things that were going on. And going back through Israel's history, I mean, Israel was divided. There was a division there. There was the northern and there was the southern tribe. How many can say, I'm glad I'm part of the southern tribe? Amen. That's where Judah's at, by the way. It's in the south. Amen. So <laughs> the northern and the southern tribe. Jehoram, if you go back and you read it, I'm not going to take the time to do it, but Jehoram was over the northern tribes, the ten tribes of Israel. There were the ten tribes in Israel, and then there were two tribes over there in southern Israel when Judah was one of them. Ten tribes of Israel, he had taken the cat he had taken capital was in Samaria. Jehoshaphat, everybody say Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat, also was the king of Israel. And he had two tribes, and his capital was in Jerusalem. Now the Bible says this man Jehoram was the son of Ahab and Jezebel. How many know that name? Ahab and Jezebel. He had inherited a situation where his father and his mother had set up idol worship. How I many you know Israel was constantly, God would bless Israel, and then Israel would begin to enjoy the blessings of the Lord. They would begin to enjoy prosperity. Everything would start going great. The economy would go up. Everything, everybody would be happy, and then all of a sudden they would begin to drift from the Lord. And they would begin to set up idol worship and in their houses. They had they were worshiping idols and they would have these groves and they would go out. They, they even had totem. How many remember totem poles, Pastor? I mean, I'm glad Pastor's delivered from all that. You know what I'm saying? Woo, 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 woo. So they <laughs> so they what they would do would they would as they were blessed, they would they would they would drift from the Lord. How many know I heard a message years ago by T.D. Jakes called, Can You Stand to Be Blessed? We all want to be blessed, but can you handle the blessing of the Lord? If you read over in Proverbs, it says, really, sorrow is better than laughter. Mirth or, or, or grieving a lot of times is better than laughter and throwing a party. Because at least when we're down and out, we begin to reflect on the things in our life. When we're partying and everything's great, well, you know, how many know pain is a good thing? Pain is a good thing. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. If you didn't have, uh, if you didn't have feeling in your body, you could be walking along the beach and you could step on a piece of glass, and you could walk along. You could have cut an artery, and before you know it, you're passing out and you're dead because of the, there's no pain. If you didn't have any pain, pain lets you know you're alive. 
Come on, let me get a good amen out of that. Because when you begin, you begin to reflect and you begin to say, okay, now wait a minute. Well, well, wait a minute. Let's put on the brakes here. And this is what would happen with Israel time and time and time again is they would be blessed, then they would drift. God's judgment would come on them, then they would repent, they would go back and they'd be blessed again. And then they would, then they would drift again. And then they, does that sound like a familiar cycle to anybody? Somebody say amen or oh me. So what would happen is they would begin to set up these idols. So Jehoram was a good person. Everybody say a good person. He was a good person, but he inherited a bad situation. His father and mother, Ahab and Jezebel, we know about them, they had set up idol worship throughout of all Israel. They killed most of the prophets. And I have to use notes because it's just like with chord charts. Uh, God bless, I'm healed from ADHD, but if I didn't use notes, I'd end up over here somewhere talking about butterflies and, you know, whatever. So just hang with me for a minute while I lay a little bit of, uh, a little bit of groundwork. Now, he had decided to bring a little reform. If you read verse 2 of chapter 3, let me just read that just to kind of show you, set the, set the stage a little bit. And he wrought evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and mother. In other words, his mom and dad was a real bad deal. He, had, he was deciding he was going to do better. How many know they were coming upon the time of the year in January where everybody's going to say, man, I need to do better this year, you know. I'm going I'm to do better this year. Man, I'm going to do better. Come on. I mean, no, you got to get past doing better. Amen. And we got to get into really it's not about us, but it's about him living through us. So he said this, look at this. And he wrought evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and mother, for he put away the image of Baal that his father made. Nevertheless, he cleaved unto the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which made Israel to sin, and he departed not thereof. Now, so it says here that he got away, he got rid of some of the idols, but he didn't get rid of all the idols. He got rid of some of the sin, but he didn't get rid of all of the sin. He decided a little reform. Some reform, but he didn't go all the way. I mean, no, it's hard to kick some of the things that you grew up with. I mean, know what you were birthed in and born in, sometimes when you get a little bit older and you look back and you say, man, that's some crazy stuff that I grew up in. I don't even know how I survived it, amen? But then when you decide to get away from it, you feel something kind of pulling you back into it because it's almost like it's, it's kind of built into your nature and it's kind of built into your DNA. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So what, whoa, praise God in heaven. <laughs> Something just kicked in up here, brethren, and you can turn it down a little bit. That's all right. Just a little bit. I, I like it, but uh, not a whole bunch. Uh, it's hard to kick something. How many know children live out what they see? What you, you know, of course, they say that, uh, you know, uh, an abuser turns out to be an abuser because that's what they know. That's what they grew up with. And, and they say, well, they, how many know even in, in, in uh, what is it? triple-a alcoholics or something like that what do they say well i'm a recovering alcoholic they don't they don't want you to say i'm not it don't matter if you hadn't had a drink in 25 years they don't want you to say i'm not an alcoholic anymore 
What do they want you to say? I'm a recovering. They want you to keep that confession of I still got these tendencies, but I'm doing okay today. But how many know if you grew up with it, it is hard to separate yourself from what you grew up with. How many's ever heard this before? A little poem that says, if a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns to fight. If he lives with fear, he learns apprehension. If he lives with jealousy, he learns to feel guilt. If he lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient. If he lives with encouragement, he, live, he learns to be confident. If he lives with praise, he's appreciative. If he lives with acceptance, he learns to love. If a child lives with approval, he learns to like himself. Children are a product of what their upbringing is. How many, how many can say amen? And Jeroboam was not any different. He watched his mother worship idols. He watched them kill prophets and, and, and worship Baal. He tried hard to change, but because of the way he was raised, he found it hard to get over his childhood. Anybody ever, when you became an adult, had to decide you had to put away some of the demons of your childhood, amen? And, and how many of you, you know, here's the natural. Even in the natural, let's, let's bring it down home where we really live. If, if you were raised in a home where they had fried chicken, pork chops, uh, you know, butter and lard, and, and I mean the food had so much of a taste. It smelled so good. I mean, you literally drowned in your own saliva before you got to the table. Raise your hand. How many know what I'm talking It's hard to get away from that kind of food because some of this food they have now, they call it healthy food, you know? No wonder you're healthy because you don't want to eat it. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, pork chops that taste like cardboard, you know? Say, what am I eating, the picture on the box, or am I eating something really that... How many know what I'm talking about? You know, all of our great ancestors, God bless them, they all died of, you know, uh, all that fat and cholesterol in their... But at least they died feeling good in their belly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and sometimes, even in the natural, it's hard to break away from those things, but especially the things that we saw growing up even in the spiritual realm we don't know how to act we don't know you know if a, if a, if a child becomes it how many's ever filled out a uh, you filled out a, some type of a form maybe at the doctor or at the ho the dentist or the hospital and they have like 14 different pages of questions how many's ever seen that is there anyone in your family that's had a history of gallbladder you know is there anyone that's ever stubbed their toe you know is there anyone that's ever had a heart condition? Or if the, why do they want to know that? Because there's something in your DNA that is passed down through your ancestors. Amen? And Jeroboam was finding it so hard because how many know there's nothing worse than half change? There's nothing worse than straddling the fence and saying, well, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to put on a good face and I'm going to raise my hands when everybody raises their hands and I'm going to clap when everybody claps. I'm going to stand up when everybody sits, stands up, but there's still something in your heart that's not changed and you don't even know why everybody's doing it. You're just going through the motions and you don't really understand what's behind it. 
And there's almost a frustration there. Why do we have people that's dropping out of churches all around America today? Because there's a half change. There's just going a halfway. And there's nobody more miserable than just somebody trying to go through the motions. And Jeroboam had went through the motions. He had tried to do good. But how many know God don't want to have change in our hearts? Amen. God wants all. The Bible says, you know, or maybe it's not the Bible, but, but it, I've heard this all my life that says he's, even Lord, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Amen. We got to get beyond the Jesus of salvation and we got to move over into the Lordship of Christ uh, where we say, Lord, I can't walk without you. I can't talk without you. I can't live without you. I don't even know what I would do without you. I get way past salvation and I'm into this kingship of Christ. Somebody say amen. We've got people all over America that they don't understand Christianity. Well, it's a little fire insurance. Well, I don't need fire insurance because now I don't even believe in hell. And they think if they can do away with hell, then they can do away with Christianity. We're not about fire insurance, amen? We're about relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That goes way beyond religion, amen? So there's nothing worse than half change, half-hearted commitment, all the way. God wants us to, you know, if you go back over there and when the children of Israel were in Egypt, Pharaoh told them they could leave, didn't he? If you go back and you read the story, Pharaoh said, well, you can go. First he said, you can go, but I want you to leave everything here. I want you to leave your children here. I mean, there's a lot of people that's going to church, but their children are in bondage in the world. Moses said, no, if we go, we're taking our children with us. And then what did Pharaoh say? Pharaoh said, well, you can go, but only go three days out into the wilderness. Only go halfway where you can offer up whatever sacrifices you need to. Then you can come on back. Do what you need to do and then come on back to the world. And we know that's the way a lot of people serve God today. Go to church, put in your religious duty, do your thing, but don't be sure and come on back to the world and do what you need to do in the world. Only go halfway with God. God's looking for a people that'll stand up and say, I am counted with the blood-washed throng of Jesus Christ, and I don't care who knows it today. Amen? All the way. Look at somebody and say, go all the way. The Bible says there arose in his kingdom out of the tribe of Moab who began to create a rebellion. Look at verse 4 real quick. And Mesha, the king of Moab, was a sheep master and rendered unto the king of Israel a hundred thousand lambs, a hundred thousand rams. But it came to pass when Ahab was dead that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So he rebelled and he decided to say, hey, I, I want to I come against the king of Israel. Threatened to take his throne. Jehoram went to Jehoshaphat. This is, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of drama going on here. He was a good king. He did right in the sight of the Lord. He rehearsed the covenant in the streets, the Bible says. He read scripture. He instituted worship. He brought a revival to the nation of Israel. Jehoram was in a backslidden state, but he made an alliance with Jehoshaphat, who was this on-fire child of God. Jehoshaphat had a little bit of a flaw. He kept getting hooked up with the wrong people. Here he was. He was on fire for God. 
Pastor Bryce, how many times have you seen it? A young person get on fire for God. They're in the altar. They're down here worshiping. They're at a youth conference. They're weeping and they're crying. Their hands are raised up. They're bringing their Bible. They're showing up to church every time the doors are open. But then they, they keep getting hooked up with somebody that's not on fire for God. I mean, no, if you hook up a live battery to a dead battery, is it going to fire up the dead battery? What's it going to do? It's going to drain the good battery. You, well, I've got to go out there, and I've, you know, Jesus hung out with the prostitutes and the sinners. Yeah, but that was Jesus. I mean, know what I'm talking about. Jesus had already fasted 40 days and 40 nights and defeated the devil, so he could go out there and hang out with them. Amen. Unless you've defeated your demons, you better not go hang out with the heathens. Somebody say, Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights and defeated the devil in every area. He tempted him. Then the Bible says he walked back with power and anointing and authority. So anything that the devil placed in his way, he'd already defeated it. Well, pastor, I... I, God's delivered me from this alcoholism. I think I need to go back to the bar and tell everybody about it. And they don't show up for three weeks. Well, what happened? Well, I went back to the bar and, you know, that old song came on the jukebox again about, you know, Ruby, don't take your love to town. And I just started feeling sad and I just had to order around for everybody, Pastor. I don't know what happened, you know. How many know what I'm talking about? How many, you know, some, some of us have lived that right there and not just talking about it. <laughs> if you struggle with pornography, the last thing you need to do is go down there and stand and hand out tracts in front of the adult bookstore. <sighs> How many know what I'm talking about? Quit getting hooked up with the wrong situation. That's good preaching, whether y'all letting on or not. Some of y'all getting uncomfortable with that. I can't, I can't reach the other part of my back. I'll just pat myself on the... I don't know what I'm talking about. Amen? You know, they have that... Uh, I, I've seen it. How many's heard of the, the, uh, the ministry? It's called Triple uh, X Church or something. How many of you have heard of it? And they actually are a ministry that goes to the adult... Uh, whatever it is, the adult uh, convention, sorry to say conferences, I don't think they have conferences, conventions, and they actually set up a booth around all of these adult books, adult uh, actors and actresses and witness to people and lead adult uh, actors and actresses to the Lord right there. But I wouldn't suggest if you struggle with that type of thing, deciding you want to go join that ministry. I mean, know what I'm talking about. You can't get, you got the, it, the thing that you struggle with, you've got to turn around and get as far away from it as you can. And then only at that point when you've allowed a healing to take place can you turn around and reach back in that dead situation and pull up some honey and say, this is what I was, and share your testimony and say, but by the grace of God, he can do this for you. Jehoram, or whatever his name was, he kept getting, oh, I'm sorry, Jehoshaphat kept getting hooked up. He was on fire for God. 
He was, he was worshiping in the streets, brother. He was lifting up his hands. He was at church every Sunday. He had his hands lifted up. He was speaking in tongues. He was on fire for God. But he got in trouble because he got hooked up with the wrong crowd. Hooked up with the wrong people. So that was his flaw. He had, you know, there's, there's, there's defects we've got to understand. The Bible says he gave Jehoram his army, his horses, his warriors. He said, I'm going to give you all this so you can fight Moab. Moab. He didn't consult with God. People making wrong decisions. I heard, I've heard Pastor Hank say it many, many times. Wrong voices, wrong Come on, y'all. Y'all got to talk loud. It's a Pentecostal church. It's okay. Wrong. Wrong. They'll pull you down. Jehoshaphat didn't consult God before he made major decisions. So he formed an alliance with a backslidden, half-in, half-out king who had idol worship in his life. The Bible says that he hooked up with this other king and they begin to go. The Bible says they went the back way. You read it, read it. I don't have time to go into it, but they went the long way through the wilderness. If you go back and you read the story, they went the long way and they ran out of water. The Bible says they ran out of water and they were about to die of thirst. They had no water for their camels. They had no water for their horses. They had no water for themselves. Has anybody ever made a decision that you felt like got you in a wilderness situation? And you ended up in a setting, in a situation where you're like, dear God, how did I get in this mess? What am I doing here? And how do I get out of this place? And, and, and Jehoshaphat found himself hooked up with the wrong people in the wrong place with no water. Water is a representation of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, out of your belly will flow a river full of living water. And Jehoshaphat, even though he was on fire for God, even though he, was, he, he loved God, he loved the Lord, he kept making these wrong decisions, he kept getting hooked up with the wrong people, he kept getting in the wrong place, and he ran out of water. He started getting dry. He started getting dry in his soul. He started laying out on Wednesday nights. I wonder where sister such and such is. Well, I wonder where brother such and such is. Well, something came up and they couldn't make it. They, all of a sudden, they weren't down here in the altar when the altars were opened up. But they found a reason to go to the bathroom. Or they found some. oh, wait, I got a, I've got a call coming in. I wasn't able to get down there on the altar today. Well, that's the first service. In the next service, they don't even come down to the altar at all. And then the next service, they're not even in church. Because they stopped letting the river flow. They stopped. Let me tell you something. Worship. Worship is not a, a time to take up space before the word. Worship is not a good song that we can pat our foot to. Worship is the time when you open up your heart and you get intimate with the Father and you let him pour something down on the, on the top of your head that flows into your spirit that begins to water those dry and thirsty places.
Worship is a time of intimacy. Worship is an in-to-me-see. The reason a lot of people, and especially a lot of men, get uncomfortable during worship is they don't know how to let their barriers down, and they don't know how to get vulnerable before the Holy Spirit. When you, get, when you get in the presence of the Lord, He turns on the searchlight, and all of a sudden, everything that's in your life that the Holy Spirit's dealing with starts playing before you like a, like a uh, you know, HD 1080p, 46-inch, you know, high-definition LG TV. Am I speaking some man language here? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the women right now, they're just, but the guys are like, yeah, I'm going to be watching that game today. I mean, you know what I'm talking? And that's why we get uncomfortable because in those moments of worship, things start coming up on the screen of your mind. And just like Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, when he saw the presence of the Lord and the glory of the Lord came down, he started saying, oh, wait a minute, I'm unclean. Oh, wait a minute, I can't be in the presence of the Lord. I'm unclean. No, 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 don't show. Oh, wait a minute, I got to go to the bathroom. Because we try to run from that. But let me tell you something. That's where the life is. That's where he takes the oil and the wine, Todd, and he begins to pour it in like this. And he begins to fill up those areas in our life that are broken. Let me tell you something. Broke, uh, the anointing in the alabaster buck, it can only flow in and out if there's brokenness there. Your brokenness is attractive to God. He wants your brokenness. He wants because if you ain't broken, he can't pour any oil and wine in. And Jehoshaphat got to the place where he was broken. He was out here in this wilderness. And he said, I've run out of water. I think I've heard Pastor Hank say this. Sin will take you further. How's it go? Further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. And Jehoshaphat got here and he said, you know what? I miscalculated this whole thing. I thought this was going to be a quick in and out. We were going to take care of this situation, and we were going to get back to the hacienda and enjoy some, some R&R. But when you make decisions that are out of, you know, miscalculating, you get hooked up with the wrong people and you get in the wrong situation, you find yourself in situations that you don't quite know how to get out of. How many know what I'm talking about today? Give me an amen or an oh me. And he started dying of thirst. So Jehoshaphat had a solution. Is there not a prophet and that's where we picked up in verse 11 but Jehoshaphat said wait a minute we're out here in this wilderness we don't know what to do I don't know this is not the life that I wanted you know, how many know when you're in high school and you're young, you have all these visions of grandeur and then you get 20 years down the road and you're like wait a minute what happened and Jehoshaphat started saying, this is not the, the deal that I signed up for. I got to find a prophet. I got to find somebody that has a word from the Lord. I got to find somebody who's in touch with the Holy One of Israel, the third person of the Trinity, because I need a word from the Lord. How many know it's not just good church services that we need today? 
I'll get on my soapbox for a minute, but then I got to get off. But it's not pretty church that we need today. I'm sick and tired of professional Christianity. I'm sick and tired of churches that have learned how to do it. I don't know. I've been in this thing all my whole life, and I don't know how to do anything. My dad always said, I'm having so much fun on the letter A, I haven't even graduated to the letter B yet. But we, we learn how to do our services, and we learn how to do this, and, and we get educated, and, we, and there's nothing wrong with education. And there's nothing wrong with saying, well, we learned that this worked in the last time, and let's use this. We learned that video works, and we learned that people in the world like skits and like the video collages and good music, and so let's do that because when the world comes in, they'll enjoy that and feel comfortable. But let me tell you something. When you get down as low as you can go, when you get in a wilderness, when you're dry and you're barren and you're thirsty, professional Christianity is not going to cut it. It's going to have to be somebody that has a word from the Lord. Can somebody say amen? And that's where Jehoshaphat was. Jehoshaphat says, we need somebody that's in touch with God. Aren't you glad that even when you mess up and you make the wrong choice, God always will take you back? How many's glad? Are you not glad about that? How many's glad that even when we get into trouble by our own choosing, that God don't look at us and say, well, you got yourself in that mess. Well, let me see how you're going to get yourself out. How many's glad God don't do that? I remember one time when we were pastoring down in Birmingham, Pastor Hank, and my father-in-law, he's not here this morning so I can pick on him. My father-in-law was taking care of the nursery that morning. And we had a, there was a, a little boy, I can't remember his, his name, Nico I think was his name. And uh, boy, he just kept getting up and jumping off the table and getting up and jumping off the table and just getting up, jumping off the table and and my father-in-law said, now you stop jumping off that table or you're going to get hurt. Now stop jumping. Well, he turned around and was taking care of one of the other kids. And Nico jumped off the table and got hurt. And boy, he started crying. He started, and, and, and Shanna, my wife, went in there. She heard the crying and she said, well, Papa, can't you help him? Papa, that was what we call him, Papa Buf. He said, well, I told him not to jump off the table that he was going to get hurt. And he got hurt. Well, can't you go over there and pick him up and help him a little bit, you know? Well, he got hurt. I told him it was going to happen. How many's glad God don't just look at us and say, You blew it, you bum, I told you not to do that, and you just might as well sit there in that mess and deal with it. How many's glad God don't do that today? But God, the Bible says that he leaves the 90 and 9, and he comes looking for us. Man, I'm glad he came looking for us. Amen? The devil wants us to feel guilty. You see, that's where condemnation comes in at. But the Bible says in Romans 8 that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Even if we mess up, we still have help and hope in God today. Amen? And Joseph had said, boy, if I could just get a prophet... If I could just get somebody that had a word from the Lord. See, the enemy at that moment wants to make you run away from church and run away from people that love you. 
They want, to, they want you to just go out there and just disappear or stay in that cycle and just keep repeating the same cycle over and over. But Jehoshaphat said, no, I know, what, I know what's wrong. I know what happened. I got to get somewhere where there's some water. I got to get somewhere where there's a refilling station where I can get filled back up with the water of the Spirit. And can I tell you what, that one thing I believe, and I, if, I, if I'm speaking out of turn, you can say that, but if, but if I feel like the Church of the Harvest has a purpose and a reason for being in Cleveland, Tennessee, it's that every now and then somebody needs a good filling station. Somebody needs something that's got some worship, that's got some water in it. Somebody say amen. I mean, there's dry and barren places. And I was sitting with Pastor Hank last week, and he said, I'm still ready to take the city. I'm still ready to let Cleveland, Tennessee know that there's, a, there's some water in this wilderness. There's some water in the land, and they don't have to go thirsty. Joseph said, I know where I went wrong. I know what I did was wrong. I just need some water. And then you'll see them show back up. And they'll run down to the altar. And they'll say, oh, oh, I missed this water. I missed this refreshing. Ephesians 5.18 says, 5.18 says, be filled with the spirit you know the correct correct translation of that says be continually filled with the spirit oil leaks out i mean understand that because you're broken now the oil fills up those places but it's it, it leaks out so you've got to be continually being filled with the Spirit, daily praying in the Spirit. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Why did he say that? He said, because I know that there's a devil that wants to beat my brains out, and I've got to stay full of the Spirit. I, I mean, every day you've got to entertain the presence of the Holy Spirit. My dad always says, if I go one day without being in his presence, I can tell it. Then he said, if I go two days, my family can tell it. And if I go three days, everybody can tell it. So, Jehoshaphat said, I got to get somewhere where I can get filled up. So as soon as they, as soon as they got in there, let me, let me hurry, let me skip over a bunch of things here. As soon as they get in there, the king, of, you know, the king of Israel steps up. He's got 10. He's got 10 of the tribes. So he steps up and he walks up and says, hey, listen, this is what we need, Elisha. Elisha looks at him and says, you know what? I'm going to pretend you're not even here right at this moment. And I wouldn't even hear you if it wasn't for the king of Judah, for the king of praise. I want to give you a key this morning, and I know you know it. But I want to remind you. I want to stir up your pure mind this morning. He said, if it had not been for praise in this room, I would not even look at you or give you the time of day. He said, but because praise is here, because the presence of praise in this room is, now I've got to give you a word. 
Elisha says. If it wasn't for praise, I'd just sit here and I'd be silent. But because praise is in the room, there's something pulling that prophetic word out of me. There's something about praise being in the room. Elisha was saying that I can't be silent and it's making a demand on the anointing that's within me. In other words, he said, somebody in this room is praising. There's somebody bragging on the Lord in this room, and it's making a demand on the anointing that's within me, Elisha was saying. If it hadn't been for praise, everybody say, if it hadn't been for praise. See, David said it this way, if it hadn't been for the Lord who was on my side, where would I be? And then Israel would repeat it back to him, if it hadn't been for the Lord. Then David would say, no, if it hadn't been for the Lord. And then Israel would say, oh, if it hadn't been for the Lord. And then David would say, oh, no, I don't think you heard me. If it hadn't been for the Lord. And then Israel would repeat it back and say, if it hadn't been for the Lord. The first call and response choir. If it hadn't been for praise, then God was saying, I wouldn't do anything and I wouldn't give them a word through Elisha. That the only reason I'm going to do something in your life, the only reason I'm going to reach down there and I'm going to take this messed up situation where everything's topsy-turvy and you know you made some bad decisions, you know it's not like you want it to be, you know this is not the life you signed up for, but the only reason God is going to reach down in that mess is because there's praise in the room. Oh, if it hadn't been for praise, the only reason the drought is over is because of praise. I can remember in my own life, there's times, Pastor Rhonda, I've been in situations I didn't even know how to pray. How many of you have been in a situation you didn't really know how to pray? Well, Lord... You know, I can't pray, will God do this or God do that, because I don't even know what the right thing is to do. How many's ever been there? You know, so many times we want to tell God, well, God, if you'll do this and do this, man, everything's going to be great. And those prayers of supplication, the Bible calls them, where you lay these things out before the Lord, and boy, you can tell God, Lord, I need you to do this, and Lord, I thank you for doing this, and Lord, I, I know I need you to do this. Those are great. Because, boy, we, we know exactly what we need and what we want. But Jehoshaphat was in a situation. He was, man, he was like, I don't know what, I don't know what needs to happen. All I know is I don't have any water and I'm thirsty. I don't know, I don't know how I got in this mess exactly, but all I know is that I need God to show up on the scene and I need him to get me out of this place. How many has ever been in that? And you don't even know how to pray. You don't, if you say, well, God, do this, then, well, I don't know what's going to happen there. And God, if you do this, well, well, I don't know. Lord, I don't know what the right thing is to do. I don't know how to pray. But I know in those times, when I just begin to lift up my hands and I say, Lord, I don't know what's going on. 
All I know is that I've got a burden down here on the inside. All I know is I've got a heavy feeling down on the inside. And all I know is I'm under attack. And I don't know exactly even where the attack's coming from. Uh, You know, the old saints used to say he's throwing rocks and hiding his hands. You know, you don't even know who's throwing the rocks. And you don't even know where the arrows are coming from. You just know you're hurting somewhere. And you don't know exactly where it's coming from. But at those times, if you raise up your hands, I know in my own life, and I begin to say, God, I praise you anyway. Lord, I, listen, I I learned this phrase a few years ago, Pastor Rhonda. Oh, and I love this phrase. I'm not going to let what's wrong with me keep me from worshiping what's right about you. Let me tell you something. That's a worship service right there. Oh, if I could get this fixed. Oh, and if that would fall into place. And oh, if that would if that would happen, then I would feel like lifting my hands. No, I'm not going to let what's going on in my life stop me, brother, from lifting my hands and saying, God, I praise you anyway. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to lift my hands in the middle of it, and I'm going to say, you know what? He's worthy. He is worthy to be praised whether I feel it or whether I don't. Matter of fact, God likes that kind of praise better than even if you do feel it. Anybody can praise the Lord when you feel like it. Anybody can praise the Lord when the river's flowing. In the Old Testament, you know, Saul just went over there and started prophesying. He wasn't even a prophet. But, I mean, the the prophetic flow was flowing. Somebody else will get it flowing, Pastor Ronda. A lot of people will want to jump up and grab the mic. But there's got to be something on the inside of us that knows where to run to when everything else is crashing down around us. That's the ones that end up on top when, the, when everything's over. It's not that they're smarter. It's not that they're more educated. It's not that they were raised in a different home. It's not that they didn't go through hell and high water. But it's because they learned the secret that if I begin to praise him, if I begin to worship him on the top of what's going on, he will show up where I am and he will deliver me. That's the key. There is no other key. There is no other great revelation. He dwells in your praises. He is enthroned in the sound of your praise. If you want God where you are, you have to praise him. There is no secret. Well, I wonder how Benny Hinn does it. Well, I wonder how that... There is no new revelation. If you begin to worship him, I don't care. Tears may be streaming down your face and you may be hurting. But if you'll raise up that hand and say, God, I praise you anyway over the top of the situation. He will change the situation for your good. I didn't say he will completely deliver you out of the situation, but he'll give you water in the situation. 
You see, praise will dig a ditch. It says over here where Elisha said, I want you to dig some ditches. Because see, they, the problem was they didn't have any water. That's the problem today. Is most people don't have any water. We, we're trying to do things. I'm talking about the church as a whole. The church is in an identity crisis. And they feel like, well, if I'll try to be more like the world, I'll reach the world. But the world don't reach the world. I mean, understand that. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. It's not our slick Madison Avenue marketing. Can somebody say amen? I love all the, I love all the new technology. But let me tell you something. I heard a, I heard a pastor in Atlanta say this. They, they bragged more about the cappuccino bar in the lobby than, and said, well, we're not going to really have altar services anymore. So at the end of the service, everybody just ran to the cappuccino bar. Does that mean cappuccino bars are evil? Yes, if you substitute the anointing. There's nothing wrong with having video screens and fireworks and, and whatever, even dancers with little twirly things. All oh, that's great, but if it takes the place of the anointing, then it's wrong. I come from a church of 3,000 people in Birmingham, Alabama, where I said, let's get together and pray, and three people show up. And they're pastors, and they don't know how to pray in the anointing. I said, dear God, this is crazy. I'm afraid to even pray out loud. I'm afraid I'll scare the other pastors on staff. You know, I remember growing up, we went to a Christian school. It wasn't a Pentecostal school, but it was a Christian school, and that's great. And when they prayed, when we all prayed, you know, we joined hands. Stand up, brother. We joined hands. like that. I'll just be honest with you. And I, and I was at a Pentecostal church in Birmingham and I said, well, let's have a prayer meeting, brother. All the pastors, we're going to get together. And they all kneeled down and started praying silently in a prayer meeting of pastors. And I'm like, well, I'm going to sleep. Because if I lay there long enough and don't start doing something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall asleep anyway. <laughs> I mean, know what I'm talking about. And the problem is we, we get educated. And I remember when this church and everything started going haywire and, and, and all the pastors started sending out their resumes and, and oh, I've got to get out of here, man. Uh, we got to abandon ship and let's start sending out our resumes and we got to get on. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Send out your resumes. What? Are you not Holy Ghost filled? You and another pastor wanted to come in and take over. And, and boy, we had a big meeting in the back room. And one of the pastors, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know. He's coming in. He's trying to take over the church. And he wants this building. And I stood up and I said, hey, listen, guys. The Lord told me to stay here. And I'm just telling you right now, that's not going to happen. Well, how do you know it's not? I said, because the Holy Spirit told me that. Well, man, we got to do something. I'm telling you, this place is falling apart. And I said, my God, these are 
These are pastors? They, they're not praying in the Holy Ghost and they're sending out resumes like this is some kind of a business that we're This ain't a business. Let me tell you something. This is not a business. I know there's the business aspect, but the business, as far as I'm concerned, is on the bottom and the Holy Spirit's on the top. And we got to understand it's his church. It's his spirit. It's his anointing that makes the difference. That's why there's no water. I wouldn't be here, Evan wouldn't be here if it wasn't for praise. I remember he had, they, the doctors, the first two years of his life, he spent in the hospital, hooked up to machines. He's got asthma and he couldn't breathe and he was on these machines and every time he would get cold, he'd have to go to the hospital. I remember I went to Phoenix, Arizona for a pastor's conference in February and came back, he was two years old and Shanna said, we're at the hospital. He's in the hospital for a week. Now, I remember one, one night we were, we, we lived up in North Alabama at this time and he's, he started, you know, when they're two years old and they start sucking that air and you can see their ribs, you know, and Shanna said, well, he's very lethargic and he's not getting enough oxygen and we got to go back to the emergency room. Uh, some got a hold of me and I said, I'm not going to the emergency room. If I go to the emergency room tonight, the devil's going to have me going back and forth to the emergency room the rest of his life. I've had all this I'm going to have. I went down in that game room and I lifted up this word and I said, God, you're a healer. I'm not going to get in this cycle of defeat and let the devil beat me over the head with these type of things for the rest of my life. I'm not taking him to the doctor again. In the name of Jesus, I said, God, you've said in your word that by your stripes he is healed. And I began to praise him and thank him. Shannon was in the other room crying, said, oh, we got to take him to the emergency room. He's not breathing. He's, he's just very lethargic. We, I said, we're not taking him to the emergency room because God's word is true. We didn't take him that night, and we haven't taken him since because God's word is true. If he can find somebody that will praise him in the midst of their situation. If it wasn't for praise, would we even be here? Because Elijah said, Elisha said this, there's somebody in this room that knows how to praise. The Bible says Judah shall plow. Look it up. I don't, I don't think I even wrote the reference up. The Bible says Judah shall plow in Hosea 10 and 11. Judah means praise. Elisha said dig some ditches. If you will dig the ditches, he will fill the ditch with water. He has, there is no water shortage in heaven. There is no shortage of the Spirit. Well, if we could just get the Spirit to move, then everybody would just, there is no shortage of water in heaven. What there is is a shortage of ditches in the earth. Because Elisha said, if you will dig the ditches, he will fill it with water. Read it in your Bible. The Bible says in Hosea 10 and 11, Judah shall plow. How do you plow the ditches? Through praise. Sometimes we come in here and it's free. Everybody's jumping up and down. Everybody's excited. The youth group just got back from a youth conference. The women's conference just got over. The women are all fired up and weeping and crying. The men are feeling good because the women are happy. Everybody's in a good mood. 
And we rush up here to the altar, and boy, we're dancing and swinging, and there's hardly even any preaching that next Sunday because everybody's laying around the floor. We love those. The water's flowing, right? But what about those services where we come in here and you've been in a battle all week? What about those services where you come in here and then you're on your job, you found yourself in a wilderness? Or at school, you found yourself in a wilderness and you're being tempted or you're being persecuted or something's not going your way and all hell is breaking loose. And then we come into the house of the Lord. And now nobody's jumping, nobody's dancing, Nobody's just twirling and spinning. And up here on the platform, it's like every instrument's out of key. Right, Brother Chris? <laughs> and matter of fact, you couldn't hardly even practice that Sunday because the sound system was all messed up. And so you have 15 minutes to work through all the bugs. And you get up here and everybody's singing. It's not, they're really not singing off key. They just feel like they're singing off key. And nobody's doing anything. And Pastor Rhonda comes up to the mic and she says, Now come on, people, we got to press in. What are you doing at that moment? You're digging a ditch. See, nobody's been digging a ditch that week because the devil's been keeping them busy fighting battles. And if the devil can keep you busy fighting battles, if he can keep you busy being tempted and struggling with some stuff in your past, and if he can keep you fussing at people, and oh, you're not digging a ditch. And then when we come in here, we've got to start all over digging the ditches. Because just like in the Old Testament, when the Philistines would come in and pour dirt over the, the devil's been kicking up. Oh, I've got to cover up that ditch right there. Because if I don't cover it up, the Holy Spirit's going to come in and fill it with some water. The secret, the key, is no matter what you're going through, to lift up your hands and say, oh God, I'm not going to let what's going on in my life, what's wrong with what's going on with me, keep me from worshiping what's right. Uh, because let me tell you something, right in the middle of it, he's still God. Right in the middle of it, he's still holy. He's still awesome. And he's still worthy to be praised. Come on, give the Lord a praise offering right now. Dig some ditches right now. Come on. That's what praise does. The season that you're in right now coming out on Saturday nights, you know what you're doing? You're digging some ditches. You're digging. Let me tell you something. You, you may be halfway done and you look back and the devil's trying. You just go right back and you say, oh, no. Oh, no, this is my blessing. Uh, this is my ditch. Uh, this is my, God's going to move for me. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know when. Uh, but God's going to show up. And you just keep digging ditches. You just keep digging ditches. Because what does the Holy Spirit do? He comes down, and the places where you've dug the ditch in your heart with praise and worshiping Him, that brokenness, He fills with His precious Holy Spirit. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
a stronghold, scientists say, if you, if you do a certain thing enough times, not only does it become a habit, but it literally creates a physical groove in your brain. It, it causes uh, synapses or whatever they're called to fire off in your brain. The devil does not have to work overtime to get us most of the time. All he does is fire off a certain trigger, and we follow that path. I mean, understand what I'm talking about. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold is a thought process in our mind that we've thought all our life. It's a stronghold. It is a groove in our brain. Oh, I need a cigarette. I need a cigarette. I need a, you don't need a cigarette. What in the world would you need a cigarette for? That's a, that's a cancer stick. Now, you see, what did somebody say? I used to hear the old saints say, it won't send you hell, but it'll make you smell like you've been there. <laughs> I'm not preaching against it. I'm just saying even the Surgeon General says it's bad for your health. What, what in God's name would you need to see? You don't. I need a cigarette. No, that's a thought process grooved in your brain over a series of years of doing the same thing over and over and over. It's called a habit. The Bible calls it a stronghold. Now, the world has all kinds of ways to try to break those, but I've got one way. The Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee. How do you resist him? You start giving God praise. The devil cannot hang around where somebody is praising the Lord. If you want the victory in your life, it's very, very simple. When the enemy comes in like a flood, raise up a standard of praise. And when you begin to praise the Lord, the water of the Holy Spirit will come down over you in such a way the devil cannot hang out where a saint of God is giving God praise. You're digging a ditch. Come on, stand to your feet. I don't even know what time it is. Oh, there it is back there. Everybody stand to your feet right now. God, let me tell you. Let me tell you where you're at right now. You're in a season, just like I am, of digging some ditches. Digging ditches is not fun. How many's ever done it? How many's ever dug ditches? How many's ever put up a fence post or something? I put up a fence at my house, thought I was going to die. Got them post hole diggers, me and my son. I said, you know, after 200 years, you'd think somebody would come up with a better way to dig holes, you know. Where you're at right now, God wants you to dig some ditches. Digging ditches in your life to begin to make a place for the water of the Holy Spirit. You say, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what's happened in my life. Just like Jehoshaphat, I got hooked up with the wrong person. I got hooked. Something happened. I, I, I made a decision that got me in a wilderness, and you don't know what's going I don't have to know. It's not. Let me tell you something. There's only one answer. It's Jesus. There is no question that he can't answer. But the thing about it is, is we've got to begin to dig the ditch for the water, the river that wants to flow out of our belly has to have an avenue to flow. 
And it's through digging those ditches of praise. It's through digging those ditches of worship. It's through saying, you know what? I I don't care, God, you're still worthy no matter what's going on in my life. And when you can praise him, no matter what's going on, you have won the victory. Because this is Jehoshaphat principle. There's another another story in the Bible, Pastor Rhonda, about Jehoshaphat. He learned something. Because he had all these armies coming against him. And he said, send the praisers first. What kind of of mentality is that? You You got guys with swords and spears, and these are not... These are not nice people. These are heathens, cannibalistic. They sacrifice their babies in in the fire, and they're just all heathens. I mean, evilness. And we're going to send out just unarmed praisers first? Let me tell you something. God don't need our help. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You want to pull down those strongholds? You just begin to dig the ditch. He'll fill it with the water of the Holy Spirit. We're out here running ourselves ragged, trying to fight the battle ourselves. The battle's already won. Jesus said in John 19, 34, it is finished. Now, he really meant it. He's not like us when we say the, the war's over, of, you know, shock and awe, and there's still 10 more years of it. When Jesus said it is finished, it's done. He's just wanting us to dig a ditch and let him fill it with his water. He'll take care of the rest. How many need a ditch this morning? How many need need a ditch? I can't give you a ditch. I can't give you a ditch. You know, back the guy that came to my house to lay some cable, he had a big machine, called it a ditch witch. How many's ever seen one of those? Boy, he just turned it on and... I mean, I'd love to have one of them Holy Ghost ditch witches. You know what I'm saying? But there ain't one. There's only one way. And that's how I praise you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I don't understand it, but I praise you anyway. Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I'm praising you anyway. There isn't. It's just hard. I mean, I'm going to dig that ditch with every hallelujah, with every praise the Lord, with every thank you, Jesus, with every I believe you, Lord, with every everything in my being, I'm going to praise you anyway. That's the way you dig the ditch. Everybody bow your head for a moment. Maybe you're in this room. You're like, you know what? I hear what you're saying. This is it's all good stuff. You know what? My heart's not right with God. Before we can, before we can move into any other area, I, I, I feel led to take just a moment. You may say, I came to this place this morning and I know my heart's not right with God. I mean, I came to church the Thursday after Thanksgiving simply because I I need a touch from the Lord. I need to renew myself with my relationship with him and I know my heart's not right you guys can play a little bit or Jay if you want to play a little bit 
you're in this place this morning you say I came in the worship was good and all this and I heard that word but I need my heart right with God this morning I've strayed and I just I just want to start all over again I want to start over I want to I want to go back I want to I want to skip jail and you know collect two hundred dollars and go back to go you're in this place this morning and you just say brother Jeff I just I just want you to remember me this morning I want to renew my heart with God and I want to start over I want to start afresh and anew this morning this is my morning you just you just want us to remember you in prayer we're not going to ask you to come forward or anything but you just say hey I want to start over this morning I just want you to remember me in prayer just lift up your hand right now the Holy Spirit sees it yes I see that hand there I see that hand that hand back there I see that hand anyone over here in this area I just you know I just want to start over I'm kind of like Jehoshaphat I, I I think I got hooked up with some some the wrong thing I, I got I, I want to just turn around and I want to go back to the red light and go the right to turn right instead of left Holy Spirit's calling you this morning. I know maybe this is a different kind of a service that you've been in. Or Let me tell you something. Today is the first day of the rest of your life.